Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I was talking about the various Trevor. drinking games that he would be playing during this game during this uh, debate. He talked about mixing beer, brandy, uh, I believe uh, b- different liqueurs, wine, everything that he could uh, muster. Deal of restraint, especially when Hillary mentioned her father, I believe, three times within the first 30 minutes. There we go. I wrote that down. That is absolutely. Let's fact check Bowerly. Ding, ding. Mentioned her grandchild once. Two years old today. Two years old today. That was, Very, uh, that, there was one time mention of that. Yes, the maternal thing coming up. Now, now here's the It's so funny because that's exactly the layer she's peeling back in her little, you know, today, the, you know, the devil wears Prada. Today, the devil wore red Gucci. I just wanted everyone to know that. But <laughs> let, let's just get to, to some of the points that I want to ask Tom. First of all, how do you look at Lester Holt's performance here? Lester Holt is going to be Matt Loward. Lester Holt has lost a lot of cred with the elite media people. He will be the next Matt Lauer. Now, for what side will he be Matt Loward? For the left or against? Uh, the left is going to be all over Lester Holt. First of all, at the very beginning of the debate, he ran the risk of losing control of the debate. Donald Trump interrupted Hillary on several occasions. For that alone, the left is going to be filled with poison, venomous darts for Lester Holt. And also, uh, he did not seem, I mean, frankly, I think Lester Holt did a great job. But people listening should know I want Donald Trump to win the election. I am a uh, Donald Trump partisan, so there will be no objectivity for me. Lester Holt, I thought, did a tremendous job. He was much more uh, fair and balanced than I thought he would be, and because I believe that, the so-called progressives will believe that he's some kind of a turncoat. You know what's interesting about that, Tom, and I, and I got uh, Michael on here, too. I want to jump. Uh, Michael, I'll ask this question to you, and I'll have Tom uh, respond to it. One of the things that I was really confused by with Donald Trump was his inability to sort of articulate what he was trying to say. When, he was talk- when we talked about taxes, he mentioned that the audit, he, he was not going to release his taxes while he's being audited. And then he turned around and said, I'll release them once they're audited, but I'll also release them if she releases her 33,000 emails. Um, again, there was such an easier, non-clunky way to get to that attack, and it just seemed like he kept, in the early 30 minutes of this debate, kept stepping on himself. If you're going to bring a knife out, make sure you use it. If you're going to draw your firearm, make sure you use it. That was a tremendous line, and I thought, as you guys did, that there were some missed opportunities. But remember, Donald Trump is walking a very fine line here because he is a man, and he's supposed to lack the temperament to be president. So Donald Trump had to dial it back a little bit, and frankly, I believe I differ with you gentlemen. I think he did it very, very effectively because he seemed to me to be in command, but he did not seem to be a bully. In fact, I thought it was Hillary Clinton who seemed to be the bully. Very true. And and at the end, Donald Trump made a point of sort of underlining what you just said, Tom Bowerly, in the sense that he said, you know, you're being very mean. And uh, I could have been mean and I wasn't mean. He, he made a point of, of, of sort of underlining that. Uh, Caputo, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you, um, that point you were just talking about where he said he could have been mean, um, I think it was a missed opportunity because she was 
I thought, you know, the minute she brought up the war on women, the fact that he's a misogynist or whatever, he needed immediately to turn around and tell her that, that it's, it's, it's hilarious that you're saying that to me, but you're, you were married to a man who abused women and allegedly raped women, and you stood there and threatened these women to get them out of his way to help him get away with it. He needed to say that. He needed to say that. And I think that you know somebody in his, in his team has told him to stay away from that answer. Uh, the problem we have here is that the, the female vote is lost to Donald Trump unless he gets the message through that Hillary Clinton is no friend to women, especially if it's a woman that is, her husband has abused. Um, I, I thought that was a terribly missed opportunity. She brought that out at the very end, brought it back around to that. If you notice in that answer, the question was not about um, uh, women. It was, a, it was a question she brought around to women. And, uh, and, and she felt emboldened by the fact that Donald Trump was being kinder to her than, than she thought he would be and uh, decided to take one last shot at him. And, she, and I think he let her get away with it. Is he going to get kudos for saying I could have been mean, you were mean, I wasn't mean? I think the, 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 the mainstream media just absolutely forget that comment he made, and we, we never heard anything about her role in her husband's abuse of women. Let me ask Tom Bowerly something real quick. Tom, you know, when it comes to the, the you know, we talk about missed opportunities, are, are you shocked? I hear more attacks on your program for four hours that are actually defensible and backed by facts than I heard in a 90-minute debate. Never once did we bring up anything that happened in Benghazi. We didn't hear about, you know, the, this, this, the, the lies. The con- even, even when we're talking about Iran, why not talk about the lies that were, were you know, the, the cash and the, the, we couldn't wire transfer money. There were so many things out there that, that would have allowed him to really land a knockout blow. In terms of the optics, I think, gentlemen, that one of the things we have to keep in mind is that the media narrative of Donald Trump is he is a misogynistic, ill-tempered bully. And I have a different take on that. I believe that Hillary was on several occasions trying to bait Donald Trump. And in terms of mentioning Juanita Broderick and Willie, I believe that that might be better served by the surrogates for Donald Trump to bring it up on shows such as this. If Donald Trump himself were to have mentioned those, he would have been accused of all kinds of dastardly deeds. But I think that Donald Trump was very, uh, shall we say, even-tempered. And the kinds of attacks to which Michael is referring, I believe, might be better handled in this particular case by his surrogates. At the end, at the end and I just, I'll give Michael the chance to respond to that, but at the end of this debate, there was a, a moment when Hillary talked about words matter. Words matter. Okay, and to me, that opened up such an opportunity for him to talk about all the times that her words didn't matter. Um, When when you look at the very end, you want to end strong Caputo, uh, you know, even his defense of um, uh, taking advantage of laws. I thought that sounded that that came off sort of odd. I guess if you're going to sum it all up. Would you say that that this who won today, in your opinion, Michael Caputo? And is this uh, going to what is going to what are the polls uh, tomorrow and the next going to reflect? Um, I, I think tonight that uh, uh, if you look at the, what, what the two had to accomplish, they both accomplished what they needed to accomplish. Hillary Clinton came off as very prepared, um, had her uh, had her facts straight. And even got bold and went after Donald Trump after coming out and initially not sure if she was going to be able to do it. 
Uh, Donald Trump had a lower bar. Um, I think he looked uh, 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 more in control and more uh, savvy and more prepared for the debate than he had in any of the debates, you know, tw- you know two dozen debates that he went through in the primary. Um, but if I had to put one against the other, I would say that uh, Hillary Clinton won this by a nose. Uh, but we've got two more to go, and Donald Trump can learn from uh, missing these opportunities. Right. Not 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 uh, uh, bringing up the 30,000 emails enough, not bringing up the lies that she told about Benghazi, not bringing up all the different things she did with the foundation, all these missed opportunities. We'll have time for that. Right. Uh, Tom, let, let me get to Tom Bowerly real quick. Tom, wh- wh- how would you uh, rate this thing? Uh, what are the polls going to reflect on the bounce? Well, the ultimate question is, did anyone's mind become changed by what they saw tonight? And I clearly believe that anybody who is a Hillary partisan is going to believe that Hillary won. Anybody who is, as I am, a Donald Trump partisan, very true. Donald Trump won. The question is, where will the undecideds go? And for those undecideds who believe that Donald Trump is some insane megalomaniacal uh, uh, douchebag, then uh, they will obviously drift toward Hillary. Uh, For those people who have a different point of view, they're going to uh, drift toward Donald Trump. But again, I'm a big believer in this do not peak too early mentality. And you gentlemen remember the first debate between President Obama and Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney came out like basically a steamroller, and Obama looked like he was half buzzed on weed most (laughs) All right. And what happened in the end, Barack Obama won in a landslide and something also uh, Donald Trump was very subtly strategic. If you'll notice, he mentioned Michigan uh, on several occasions, Ohio on several occasions and uh, one or two mentions of the state of Pennsylvania. Very true. Battleground states. I think strategically uh, and tactically, Donald Trump was the subtle winner in tonight's debate. Tom Bowerly just referenced President Obama in the first debate with uh, Romney, like from Spaceballs. It was Prince Valium. That's what uh, that's, that's what Obama was in that first debate. Tom Bowerly brings up those uh, states, and he also mentioned NAFTA and and made a line of of saying, "Hey, you think NAFTA worked? That's your opinion. Why don't you ask the people in Ohio and Pennsylvania and all those other places?" Uh, excellent point. We're going to take a break. Are we going to be blessed to have both these gentlemen back, or are you going to go to bed? Well, is there fireball in this for me? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Michael, can you stick around? Yeah, I'll stick around for <laughs> Michael just is nothing but excitement uh, at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. We're going to get back to Tom Bowerly and Michael Caputo. I'm David Bellavia. We're going to take a quick break. Back after this, more debate coverage. You saw it here, the Super Bowl of debates. It was Trump. It was Clinton. Who do you think won? We're going to get to your calls after this on News Radio 930 WBN. Want to thank our sponsors at Great Lakes Building Systems. And you're also in for a treat because it's not just me. I've got Tom Bowerly on the line and I've got Michael Caputo on the line. And that, my friends, is the Can Am connection. That is, uh, if I can make an old res- wrestling tag team reference. Tom Bowerly, Michael Caputo, my name's David Bellavia. We're talking about the debate. One of the things that we keep getting uh, text messages on, and I want to ask this to uh, Tom. What's going on with the Trump and the sniffing? Does he have like a deviated septum or something? You're talking about the way he breathes in quickly after he says something? Hold on. I got to tell Tom to turn his radio down. Okay. There we go. All right. Tom, please. I don't know if you know how the way this works, but what is up with the, with the breathing thing, Caputo? What's up with that? Well, it's, it's what he does. It's one of those uh, I know, speaking expectations that he has where he breathes in real sharply after he says something. 
you know, uh, President Obama has his own kind of affectation when he speaks. He he has this. He says the word "yo" and, and, and like you know. He says it like "huh" or "uh," like other people do, and it's just an affectation that that uh, that that Trump has. And it, it actually kind of gets under my skin a little bit too because I pay such close attention to these things. But you know, that's a lot better than uh, uh, something else that might be going on. But it comes more and more <laughs> out across uh, ninety minutes. You know, and, and uh, Tom, I want to ask you, uh, the uh, the birth certificate defense on Donald Trump, this was asked during the race argument, uh, the race part of the of the debate. Uh, I mean, Lester Holt, I thought, went way under, way below the, the, the belt when he hit him on the comment about Hillary Clinton's looks. I thought that was just deplorable for anyone to kind of go down that road. But when he asked him about the birth certificate, what did you feel about the way Trump tried to pivot towards, you know, you guys? sort of started this thing. Did that did that come across? I think that is an instance where because it was brought up by Mr. Holt, uh, Donald Trump could have unloaded a little bit more. Let's face it, a lot of Americans are not going to know the name Sidney Blumenthal, okay? We don't remember the name of the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals from yesterday, all right? So anyway, uh, I think he could have been a little more clear in defining and describing exactly the origins of the so-called birther argument. I think he could have been much more effective at laying that directly at the doorstep of Hillary Clinton. And if anybody knows the Clintons, it certainly is uh, Mr. Caputo and, quite frankly, yours truly. And they do fight dirty. They are filled with political power, bloodlust. Mr. Trump, yes, uh, fair criticism. He could have done a much better job at describing in clear and plain English exactly how that originated and the fact that it did, in fact, originate with the Clinton campaign back in 2008. But I must tell you also that if you watch very carefully, the look of fear at various times during this debate in Hillary Clinton's eyes, very, very reminiscent to the 2008 look of fear in her eyes when she realized that this senator from uh, Illinois was probably going to snatch the uh, nomination from her. What do you think about that, Michael? Carson Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, I just got a text message in. Uh, from giants here, so I was trying to do something, you know, a little bit off beat path. We got a text message in from Big Ted in Lockport that wants to know the over-under on the next time Hillary Clinton will be seen in public. Four to six days after a debate, what do you think? That was a great line by Donald Trump. And again, see, again, gentlemen, Donald Trump has to be very careful because had he hit her with everything he had, especially a woman who just got over pneumonia, a woman who just collapsed during the 9-11 commemorations, remember, Donald Trump has to avoid being seen as a bully. But gentlemen, we all know it's immaterial. The narrative, as David DiPietro from the State Assembly told me earlier on my show, David, which uh, would have been nice to have you there in studio with me, I might add, uh, the narrative has already been written. Hillary Clinton won the debate. Donald Trump was stiff. Hillary Clinton had command of the facts. Hillary Clinton was prepared. That narrative has already been written. The media has already circled the wagons for Hillary Clinton. So if Donald Trump had hit a bases-loaded walk-off home run, it still would say Hillary Clinton won the debate. Michael, what do you think? Right about that. There's no question about that, but at the same time, um, I also have to admit that, you know, you look at the Donald Trump in tonight's debate, you look at the Donald Trump that first came down the, that escalator, the first debate later on in the primary uh, season, 
Uh, he's gotten much better at this. Uh, he had a much more command of the facts, far deeper on policy than he than he did uh, during the primary debates, than he did during the commander-in-chief forum just a couple of weeks ago. I think he did fairly well tonight. I, I think that he missed many opportunities, which is about preparation. Um, there are some things that weren't even brought up, like we said, Benghazi and some other issues that speak to Hillary's inability to tell the truth, these missed opportunities, which is also preparation. Um, I think that we're likely to see a better performance out of Mr. Trump in the second debate, and probably a very similar performance as tonight from Hillary Clinton, because she's so accomplished at this and, and has done so many debates during her, her lifelong political career uh, that she's about as good as she's going to get. You know, you, you know, another thing, Michael, you bring up uh, a point that I was thinking about was that he kind of he volunteered the the uh, uh, when he was talking about um, uh, NATO. That was not brought up by Lester Holt. That was not brought up by Hillary Clinton. He felt the need to defend his statement on NATO without anyone kind of prodding him about that. And I thought that that was uh, a little bit unnecessary. It was. But at the same time, I think his position on NATO is one of the that a lot of uh, Americans hold, and that is that, you know, we're the policemen for the world, and we, and we, and we pick up the tab for all of it. Um, I don't think that's a negative. I don't think his position on NATO is something that, uh, that, that should be considered something that would be a drag on his popularity. Um, I, and by the way, I want to mention this before we get through this this evening. I think Donald Trump hurt her on trade. I think he wounded her. I think he did it, uh, he did it well. He unpacked NAFTA and and uh, uh, TPP on her fairly well, and uh, her answers weren't strong enough. And in fact, the first fact checking on uh, on the networks after the event were uh, to say that Hillary Clinton did indeed call TPP the gold standard, and she in the debate said that she thought it should be the gold standard. You know, you bring up something I've wanted to ask Tom Bowerly for about ten years. Tom Bowerly, are you down with TPP? Uh, let's put it this way. <laughs> Negotiated by the politicians we've had in office, I think their track record rather speaks for itself. We see what has happened in Buffalo. We see what has happened in western New York. And unfortunately, <clears throat> the, in terms of these trade agreements, one of the things that my audience uh, certainly uh, I've talked about it a great deal, anybody who thinks that these uh, 3,000 employer industrial jobs are going to return to the United States is sadly mistaken. If you look at Forbes, if you look at the Wall Street Journal, even the industrial behemoth that is the People's Republic of China is going to automation and robotization. So I, while the trade issue is important, we also have to be realistic about the fact that these multi-thousand worker manufacturing facilities, whether in India or China, are a thing of a bygone era. They are anachronisms, and I think we need to be honest and address that. Excellent point. Michael, uh, when she talked about uh, the 21st century security, uh, Trump brought up this thing where he's been she she's been fighting, you know, uh, against ISIS her whole life. I didn't quite understand that that was an inside joke, I guess. Well, it was just another example of uh, of a line that wasn't rehearsed. I mean, uh, and also, I think at the time that uh, I mean, I know Mr. Trump fairly well. I think he was. He was trying to be. Uh, um, he was trying to leave a mark on her, uh, and by you know by doing so, he he, he should have. You've been you've been uh, you know fighting ISIS your whole time uh, as Secretary of State. Instead, he said your whole life, and that's just a throwaway line. It's not anything that's going to hurt him. But that's not something that Hillary Clinton would do 
after staying up uh, for the last week, you know, six weeks practicing for tonight. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Michael. I, I thought you were through. One of the areas uh, where I do believe, and perhaps this is a regional thing, uh, being Western New Yorkers, uh, Mr. Trump might have brought up Hillary Clinton's failure to deliver all of the hundreds of thousands of jobs she promised when she was running for United States Senate from New York. Now, Donald Trump, being a New Yorker, might have said to the nation, hey, I am a citizen of the state of New York. She made the same promises when she was running for the Senate. Guess what? Those jobs never materialized. All she is is talk and no action. So even before the era of automation, uh, uh, of automation and robotization this woman could not live up to her word i think that was a case where he could have made a point without seeming unduly uh, shall we say aggressive and again remember this is the first time a major party has endorsed a female candidate for the presidency so donald trump is really treading in uncharted waters and frankly on the whole i have to give him much better marks than you guys well it, w- it would actually be the second time if you count uh, barack obama <laughs> that's no but uh you know michael you know he did bring up at one point he talked about solar panels he was talking about solyndra but he very well could have been talking about solar city uh i found that really interesting that the uh, global warming attack that he said that you know you you think and you your president thinks that global warming is more of a threat and she didn't quite bite on anything she didn't really kind of fall back on uh, any of the talking points that you would uh, expect her to fall back on she didn't, and 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 I thought that was a, I thought it was a clean hit. But um, you know, I, I think that she she as as someone who is a real deep believer in the kind of liberal progressive mentality, uh, she thinks the rest of the country was mocking him, and that she didn't need to, because global warming is you know going to be the end of all of us uh, probably by Tuesday. So you know, I I I think she didn't take that shock because she didn't feel like she had to. So I thought I thought Trump landed one uh, for the blue collar worker the 6% who are undecided today. Let me ask another a quick question, if I could. You know, we talked, we, we got into race uh, to start talking. I thought Trump, the, the best he sounded was when he was talking about, you know, the, the violence in, in cities like Detroit. Uh, I thought that was a, an excellent uh, an opportunity for him to kind of show a little bit more depth to what we saw in the primary debates. Um, he sounded good. He was talking about, you know, violence. And, and But is it ever a good idea in a debate to constantly agree, to, to make an effort to show what you agree uh, with your opponent on? Is that that was a tactical move that obviously the the Trump camp thought that was a good idea? Tom Bowerly, uh, do, do you do you see that as a sign of like weakness or or how did you how did you feel that that played with you? A- absolutely not. I believe that that was a strategic move uh, in uh, to portray Donald Trump as somebody who is open to different viewpoints, as somebody who is not cast in ideologism and somebody who is willing to so-called reach across the aisle. Um, In other words, uh, again, I have to go back to my initial premise, which is Donald Trump had to be particularly careful not to come off as a bully, yet to defend himself with the appropriate level of force necessary for that situation. 
And I believe that uh, mission was accomplished for Donald Trump tonight. Now, in the next debate, I would expect Donald to be somewhat more uh, vituperative. And, and frankly, you know, I, it's interesting. I spoke with a millennial who listened to the debate on the radio, and this millennial thought Hillary Clinton was being the bully. And Donald Trump was the individual who seemed very even-tempered. And Hillary Clinton seemed like, frankly, the eels in Austin Powers, ill-tempered. Oh, that's interesting. That's from the old Nixon-Kennedy debate, the same kind of concept. And that's it. I, I guess that's probably true, too, because uh, in, in addition to this, I mean, you also saw the facial expressions she was mocking <laughs> and kind of chiding. Um, I, I don't think she came across real great on TV either. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, that what we were talking about earlier, the, the idea of her agree, I mean, sorry, him agreeing with her. In, in debate parlance, when you're preparing for a debate, that's called establishing equivalence. If you're, especially if you're debating against an incumbent or a more experienced politician, you want to lay out there that, yeah, we're the same in many ways, or at least in, in ways that you can agree with. It also, I believe Tom's correct, established a, a, a bit of uh, respect for Hillary Clinton early. You noticed more of this agreement happened in the earlier stages. And it was also at the time that he made a concerted effort to call her Secretary Clinton at all times. Right. And, and that's just establishing equivalence. I think it was very strategic. And I think it helped. All right, so let's go to uh, uh, the nitty-gritty here. Uh, sustain and improve uh, going into the next debate, going into the next, uh, what we got, uh, we're basically a month out. Uh, what what should uh, Trump, what does Trump need to work on? What does he, uh, uh, what did you think he failed at? And let's do it for Hillary, too. What do you think, Tom? Well, first of all, Hillary Clinton brought her A game. Hillary Clinton is not going to get any better than this. First of all, her eyes didn't bug out like a spastic. Secondly, she remained upright, so there's that. Now, as far as Donald Trump is concerned, he does <laughs> have some room for improvement. But again, keep in mind, gentlemen, this is just my opinion, but he also is in uncharted and unprecedented territory, and he also happens to be an alpha male. So he intentionally had to dial it back so that he did not seem to be running roughshod over Hillary Clinton and the bully. And remember, David, you alluded to the idea that uh, we're not quite sure as to the gender of Barack Obama after eight years, and he was able to succeed against Hillary Clinton, and he didn't do it by being... Uh, brash. He didn't do it by being mean and nasty and a type A personality. He did it with his charm and being likable. And frankly, I thought Donald Trump was very likable tonight. And frankly, I think Hillary Clinton seemed over-rehearsed and somewhat robotic. Now, I happen to believe that James Carville is a reptilian alien of the shape-shifting genre. Hillary may be a gray alien, but if Donald Trump is simply, uh, if he is simply as likable Tonight, uh, in the future debates as he was tonight, and perhaps amps up his uh, legitimate attacks against Hillary, I think he's got this in terms of winning over the undecideds, and that's where it's all about. And frankly, guys, his mention of Ohio and Michigan and one of Pennsylvania, that shows to me tremendous temperament and political brilliance. But I'm biased. What do you think, Michael? I'm going to have to agree with Tom on this. First of all, you're not going to see Hillary Clinton do any better than she did today. That's not to say that uh, it's even, uh, you know, metaphysically possible. Um, she's done so many debates. She's so well prepared for this. You're going to see her do exactly what she did today in the next debate. Secondly, I agree with Tom in that uh, Donald Trump was absolutely in uncharted waters. 
And he could have done, done one of three things today. He could have not done enough, not, not attacked her enough, which is where I sit. Uh, he could have been uh, perfect, uh, attacked her just perfectly, and uh, won this debate hands down. Or he could have gone too far and uh, been accused of being a misogynist or bullying Hillary Clinton like Rick Lazio was. Uh, and, and the, you know, by coming in in the, in the, in the lower states, he could have done more. He knows that after this debate today that he can do more next time around, just like Tom said. And, and I would much rather him be where he is right now, having, a, a, you know, swung a little bit uh, 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 too few times at the ball um, and, and knowing that he can do more rather than coming in swinging too hard and coming out of there in free fall because he was uh, abusive to a woman. But, gentlemen, I think the ultimate question is, how do we get mentioned as many times as Sean Hannity? I'm going to email Hannity tonight and ask him how we can do that. That was pretty crazy. That, that it, almost, it, it, was, it was a little bit over the top. Last question, I'll let you guys enjoy your evening. Uh, was, was this debate everything that it was billed to be, or were you let down, Tom? Oh, it was pretty much exactly what I expected, except Donald Trump did a much better job in terms of controlling his temperament than I expected. I think Donald Trump did not overprepare. I think he was absolutely perfect, given the fact that he is in uncharted water. And again, gentlemen, remember what I'm telling you. You don't want to peak too early. And to steal a line from the 1980-81 Sabres after they hired Scotty Bowman, the best is yet to come. And certainly that worked out well for the Sabres with that Stanley, uh, never mind. <laughs> that Stanley power tool. That's better what they have. <laughs> Michael, uh, what do you think? Was this, uh, was this everything was billed to be? I'll tell you, um, I was holding my breath. I had my butt cheeks clenched. I was nervous as a cat coming up with this thing. I didn't sleep well last night. I care very deeply about what's going on with this race, not just because it means something for the nation, but because I, I have a lot of friends with a lot of stake in this. Um, I'm satisfied with it. Uh, I thought that, uh, frankly, coming into this, I mentioned it on the morning news this morning, I was very nervous. Um, and I think this ended up the w uh, in a way that, is acceptable for both camps. I think the Hillary people will be elated tomorrow. The Trump people will be relieved. And that elated and relieved, I can live with. And for those who don't know, Michael Caputo, a great honor as always to be on with you. And anybody who has not listened uh, before to David Bellavia, this man is an Iraq war hero and one of the top 100 most beloved American veterans. So, you know, for this guy from Tonawanda to be on the air with such luminaries, it truly is a humbling honor. And thank you for having me, David. I love you. All right, Tom. Love you back. And, Michael, that was a pretty good send-off. I think that's the best one you've ever had. Yeah, that's great. I feel much better. I won't be able to sleep again. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, Tom Bowerly. Uh, he's a heavy 100 talker, by the way. That's top 100 talkers in the, in the, in the country. And Michael Caputo, who is a WBN talker and uh, political uh, everything, has been involved in every race from here to uh, eternity. Tom, uh, Tom, thank you. And Michael, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go to the phones. 803-0930, you've been very patient. You heard from Tom Bowerly. You've heard of Michael Caputo. I'm David Bellavia. I'm going to tell you what. I agree 99.8% of the time with both of those two guys. On this one, I'm going to disagree. I don't think Trump had a good day. I don't think this went as well as it could have gone. But there are some, there's some subtext to what Tom Bowerly's talking about. And I really, to be totally honest, I haven't really thought about what he, he said until he brought it up. And 
it was more difficult than I was giving Mr. Trump uh, credit for. He did have to walk a fine line. So I'll give him that. And he is an uncharted territory. I felt he could have been far more bombastic and, and hit her harder. But then again, you know, would, would we have been pleased with anything uh, outside of Hillary, you know, surrendering, uh, you know, at the, at the podium? Let's go to the phones and let's talk to Dave in Depew. Dave, you've been very patient. Appreciate it. You're on News Radio 930 WBN. Oh, Dave, uh, it's an honor, honor to talk to you. Well, you're very kind. What's on your mind, Dave? Uh, uh, I guess, um, first of all, I think that uh, I think Trump did miss some opportunities, but I think when it comes to Hillary, there's just so many targets out there that uh, kind of keeping them straight can be kind of bewildering sometimes. So I think that, uh, you know, that's, yeah, uh, there's times when you're screaming at the television saying, why don't you say this, why don't you say that? But, uh, you know, I guess I can understand that you have to take one, one stream of thought and run with it. It did at times appear that I was watching a Bills game in the second half, the amount of screaming I was doing at the TV. But uh, I agree with you on that. I just felt that when you, when you walk into topics like, um, especially when, when Hillary is talking about taxes and, you know, making the, the argument that, uh, you know, when, when you have the opportunity to talk about how you, uh, you, why you, well, you're being accused of circumventing laws, you know, I just don't want a presidential candidate talking about how he took advantage of the law uh, because it benefited him at the time. There's just other ways that you can. That's inside voice. There's other ways you can articulate that without saying those things. Uh, you know, uh, Clinton. The Clintons have had their tax issues. They're, they're you know, uh, uh, they had to uh, redo their taxes in their in their time when other when new information is found. I mean, absolutely. And then and then she's talking about the you know the economy going up because of Wall Street. I mean, she walked right into that. You know, she's talking about how her de- his, uh, Mr. Trump lent him $14 million. He turned it into a multi-billion dollar empire. You know, let's talk about uh, uh, how about when Hillary Clinton had the opportunity to invest in cattle futures. I mean, she turned uh, five bucks into 200000 I mean, there are a million things you could have hit her on. Like I say, it goes out like they could have gone about the Clinton Foundation and, and uh, how they failed to disclose. Again, yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that's, it's almost too much. It's, the, it's, it's a really... It's a, the, to really focus in on one thing, sometimes it's difficult. But, so who won today, Dave? Uh, uh, well, I think that I called in originally about uh, to talk about Lester Holt. I think that Trump held his own, considering I, I'm not as charitable about Holt as, uh, as, as Tom was. I think that uh, the questions were, you know, he asked him about his tax returns. He asked him about how Hillary looked. He asked him about uh, the birther issue, you know, even the race thing and how he probed. I, I, I didn't see any of that. Anything near that, like that for Hillary? Oh, no, you're absolutely right. The question about Hillary's looks I thought was a low blow. That was, that's not what a moderate should be doing. Well, this was definitely one-sided. He'll, he'll keep his, uh, he'll, he'll, he won't get the, uh, the Matt Lauer treatment. He'll, no, he'll keep his job, you think? Dave, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate your patience. Thank you so much. Let's go back to the uh, hotline here, and let's talk to Joe in Buffalo. Joe, you're on WBN. Hey, Mr. Dave. Uh, I just got to say thank you for your service. Um, I'm 16 years old, and I really love, I appreciate the military a lot. Oh, thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. What did you think about the debate today? Well, um, first of all, I go to Global Concepts High School in Lackawanna. It's filled with a bunch of Muslim kids. But, um, you know, um, there's sometimes where Trump says stuff, and I go into school, and I'm like, oof, like I got to defend him. But tonight, uh, I thought, tomorrow I'm going to go into school, and I know a bunch of kids are going to talk to me. But tonight, I feel like he actually held his own, and I'm... He's pretty proud of him tonight. Um, what was the thing you were most proud of? 
of Trump. Um, what Tom Bowley was talking about, which I love him too, listen to you guys all the time. Um, he was talking about Trump held his composure. He didn't like, he wasn't the quote-unquote bully um, today. Um, he also, he didn't uh, attack Hillary as much as I thought he was. Um, and he also, he went right to his throat with Hillary, which I loved. And um, it was all over Facebook and stuff, you know, talking about the emails, Benghazi. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. Hey, Joe, I appreciate you calling, man. And uh, 16 years old and involved in politics like that is uh, speaks volumes about your character. Thank you so much for your call. Yeah, thank you. All right. That's Joe. But he's, he's 16 years old, and I thought he did pretty well. So I would argue that he may have done better than, than Trump did today. <laughs> Actually, that was more articulate than some of the things. When we're dealing with a debate like this and so much pressure, you know, we hear, uh, I thought Tom Bowerly very eloquent in explaining, you know, you're not really looking at the big picture here. He was destined to get nailed on whatever he said, anything remotely bombastic or aggressive. He would have been accused of, of attacking a woman. You know, I mean, there's obviously there's truth to that. That is, listen, whether you agree with what Bowerly said or what Caputo said, I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, his camp obviously instilled that in his head. He was very respectful for Donald Trump. Very respectful. Again, though, getting out of the mode of having to defend yourself. The, we wasted almost six minutes talking about how he uh, disagreed with Lester Holt's assessment of his interview with Howard Stern about the war. Um, there's just so many ways to just shed that off. Wipe the dust off your feet and move on. You don't have to constantly, nope, you're wrong, you're lies, these are wrong, these are wrong. It's just, you know, th there's ways to just kind of maneuver that a little bit. We're going to get back to your calls, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBN. You can text us at 30930. I'm going to read those texts when I come back. We're going to get an update from ABC. I'm David Bellavia. As soon as we get back, we're going to get your calls. Some of you have been on hold for, for 30 minutes, and I appreciate your, your patience. We're going to get right to you after this. Uh, special coverage of the post-debate Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump, the first battle, uh, ABC News, after this. Oh, welcome back. Welcome back. I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Great Lakes uh, Building Systems and everything they do and uh, being uh, so kind to us today for letting us have extended coverage. We're going to be until 1 a.m. So, yeah, hope you're not doing anything tomorrow because you know you're locked here. Because it's so stinking entertaining. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. We got a bunch of cuts we're going to play for you from the debate in case you were under a rock. We're also going to read uh, some, uh, some text messages. Someone wrote that Donald had a meltdown. Another person wrote in that Donald's saving his ammo for the next round. And Dave, uh, I'm sorry, Dan, uh, the uh, Care Bear, said the uh, proof is in the pudding. Do they serve pudding tonight, David? <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Always there to bust shops. Let's go back to the phones, 803 star 930 Wes in West Seneca, you're on WBN. Pop the champagne, David. I think he did as well as he possibly could have done for many of the reasons that uh, Bowerly said. Um, the only thing is, I, I do agree with Michael. I think Hillary probably won by a nose because uh, she didn't fall down. She didn't faint. And because of the biasness of... Uh, the, the bar is really that low, though, but you got a point. Yes, yes, because of what happened recently with her fainting and, and the supposed pneumonia that just happened just once, uh, even though her husband admitted that she's fainted before. So I think because she stayed upright and looked like she had energy and the biasness of, of Lester Holt, she probably did win by a nose, but 
also after the debate, the camera stayed on her and Bill Clinton shaking people's hands. She looked energetic. She was able to bend down without falling. (laughs) Uh, So she won because of that bias that the them showing her energetic. We should pop the champagne. He did as good as he could have done. Uh, Yes, he could pivot better to uh, attack her. Whenever she got her facts wrong, attacking him, he could have pivoted and said, hey, Hillary, where'd you get that from? My, my NSA files? Right. You know what? I, I thought the same thing. Wes, excellent call. A really good point. Wes is, is uh, mentioning the, the point of, you know, the fact that because she didn't pass out, it's a plus-plus across the board. Let's go to a patient, Dolores. Dolores, you're on WBN. How you doing? Hi, Ms. Tambar. You know what Tambarly said today on a station? He said she's going to be pre-informed as to what was on. There were a couple things. One was the taxes thing. How does she know how much that he paid zero in taxes? Well, she doesn't. She just threw that out there as, as red meat uh, just to bait him. And it didn't work. And honestly, I, I thought the, the, uh, the, the tax thing, if he would have just said, I'll release my taxes when you release your emails, uh, you know, it's a nice little counter. But I thought him getting into the weeds about the audit thing was just sloppy and clunky. Yeah, but I thought, you know, there are a couple things. I'll I'll give you the first impression. I generally just listen to the radio and don't watch. But I did watch today and, uh, of course, tried to do double listen and talk. But you know what? I'll tell you what I saw with Trump. I saw an American businessman who was not a politician, who was for America, for the Constitution, for our country, and for our people. And what I saw in Hillary was a politician who was working towards more federalized, centralized government, control uh, of, of our police and our states and the usurping of states' rights. And everything that I saw this woman alluded to when she's going to get there is a big giveaway and control of America and a usurping of every single American from the lower class to the middle class and maintain an elite group of people. I did not like what I saw in that woman. And if I were Donald Trump as a woman, you know what I would have said when Lester Holt asking, well, how does she look? Donald Trump looked tired. He's been going and seeing the men in the street, the people that are tens of thousands coming to see him. And Hillary has been at the spa. Obama's been at the golf course. So what's she going to do? How many, you know, this, you know, if I was Trump, I would have looked at her and said, you're a you look beautiful and very well tonight, Hillary, but you don't like a president that can handle something. Wow. Dolores, uh, very good call. Appreciate your feedback, as always. I'm joined in studio now. We're going to get to your calls, 803-0930, star 930. Uh, you guys are on hold, stand hold. We have Mike Baggerman uh, here. And, Mike, you went to a, what, debate watching party? Yeah, it was the debate watch party at the North Park Theater, which is on Hurdle Ave uh, in Buffalo. What are you doing commercials for them now? What's going on? Yeah, here? right. And they sell popcorn and, right. and Pepsi's and a two for one deal. If you get that, <laughs> no. So, so Mike, you went there, and and what majority of the crowd was supporting who? All right, there's about 200 people at this theater, right? 197, I would say, were pro Hillary, and the only reason I say that is because every single time that you know Trump was saying stuff, you know, Donald Trump doing his normal humor thing. Everybody was just laughing at him. Not laughing with him, 
there were three Trump fans that were sitting in the front row that every time Hillary would talk, they would just yell, liar, where are the emails? It's a conspiracy, you know, all those stuff that you hear uh, from the right side of things. It was a very pro-Clinton crowd, case in point. And uh, did, now, did, after the debate, did you get a chance to talk to anyone, uh, what they what they thought? Yeah, uh, I, I talked with a few people. I tried to get those Trump guys that I was talking about, but they didn't want to go on with me at all. I don't know why. It must be because I'm a part of the media or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> little, little little paranoia there. Right. Know. One of the people that really stood out to me was a 76-year-old uh, former police officer named Tim. I have his last name on the record. I'll get it later in uh, the recap of things. Uh, but he was undecided really going into it. He was leaning a little bit towards Hillary, and he was looking for substance from Donald Trump. Said he didn't really get it, but at the same time, from what Hillary was saying, he wasn't sold, especially on the trade agreements from Clinton. So he says that at this point in time, he doesn't know who he's going to vote for still, but he's probably going to go with Clinton. You know, it's funny because that's one of the things that Caputo mentioned is that she got dinged pretty good, drew, drew some blood on the trade stuff. Um, but you know what? I mean— I don't know how anyone can if you're if if you were on the fence with Hillary, she didn't embarrass you today. Um, if you were a pro Hillary supporter, she didn't you know, she didn't do anything to make you turn against her. Uh, that being said, I don't think Trump did either. I just think that, um, you know, if you're going to say it's a draw, Hillary was much more offensive than Donald was. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting to always hear other people's points of view, especially when you're in a pro Hillary group. Um, what what was the uh, uh, what was the line that got the most you know applause or jeers uh, from the crowd? We actually have one of them that I cut up right before I came in here. Uh, it's it's a reaction of the crowd talking about uh, NAFTA. Uh, Alex, I don't know if it's on the paper or not, but yeah, we'll we'll get that. Can we play right now? Go to our website. She tells you how to fight ISIS on her website. I don't think General Douglas MacArthur would like that too much. The next, the next segment will continue. Well, at least I have a plan to fight she ISIS. That's the gist of what the crowd was reacting like all all night long. Later in the speech, Donald Trump was saying that, you know, I'm very presidential. I've got all the temperament. I don't have that cut for you right away, but that was the one single-handedly which drew the biggest pop of the night. You could hear it. I mean, that was a pretty uh, that was a pretty interesting uh, uh, feedback, you know, from a, obviously it's a pro-Hillary crowd. Let me play um, one clip if we could. Uh, if we can get uh, clip, uh, let me see, uh, clip number one. Could you do clip one? This is um, uh, Donald Trump uh, talking about the economy. And the only thing that looks good is the stock market. But if you raise interest rates even a little bit, that's going to come crashing down. We are in a big, fat, ugly bubble. And we better be awfully careful. And we have a Fed that's doing political things. This Janet Yellen of the Fed. The Fed is doing political by keeping the interest rates at this level. And believe me, the day Obama goes off and he leaves and he goes out to the golf course for the rest of his life to play golf, when they raise interest rates, you're going to see some very bad things happen because the Fed is not doing their job. You know, it's interesting because that's one of the, the times that you want a, a guy who knows business to really kind of, he didn't really get in the weeds, but he just kind of explained, you know, so many times the stock market is used as a as a watermark for how the economy is doing. And as you know, Trump said, there are some political maneuvering going on by the Fed. 
was one of the few times that I thought Donald Trump really had a, uh, you know, he came across as a subject matter expert. Yeah, the people at this uh, party, that went totally over their heads. At that point, they were just eating their popcorn. They were drinking their Pepsis, doing whatever. They were playing bingo throughout the night. I don't want to get too far off the, wow. the topic. They're playing bingo. It, it was literally you went there and you were like on an episode of uh, Late Night with Jimmy Kimmel. You were just playing games all night. That You know what? In a way, that's kind of heartbreaking. You know what I mean? That's like the voting public is not even listening to the debate of who's going to run the country. They're they're busy playing, you know, Jenga, you know, at a, at a movie theater. That's crazy. Uh, but at the end of the night, uh, people left. What was the mood? I mean, was it uh, chanting? Were there signs? Anything crazy besides the... Uh no, we did speak to uh, one group of people, young, probably 20, 21 years old, definitely either their first or second time ever voting in a presidential election before. Let's put it this way. They're very, very left wing. They loved Hillary Clinton. They said that anybody who votes for Trump is a racist, a bigot, all those things that you stereotypically hear from the right. It, it was sad to see that because those, I'd say it was a group of five people. It wasn't representative of the whole crowd. Most of the people just went there. They wanted to hear what was said. They had a couple laughs. But that example I just gave, that was the extreme version that you saw. That's Mike Baggerman. He went to a uh, uh, a debate party. And he knows that those two millennials were uh, far-left liberals because at their feet at the movie theater, they had four free-range chickens at their feet. And that's how you know that they were far left. And they were being fed organically. Organic food is what uh, Mike Baggerman... Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Let's go back to the phone. Mike Baggerman, we got a, a ton of uh, clips we're going to get to. Uh, but uh, we just heard live uh, Mike Baggerman at a post, I should say a debate party. And uh, it seemed to be one about 98% pro-Clinton. And they liked what they heard. Uh, there were some Trump supporters out there, uh, but, uh, you know, not as uh, obviously they were outnumbered. Uh, but Mike was there live. He's got some audio and, and uh, he'll be uh, covering a story that you can listen to on WBN.com. Of course, tomorrow, John and Susan will have tons of, of post-debate coverage in the morning. And then uh, Sandy Beach, 9 to noon. Limbaugh, I'm sure he'll have some things to say. Tom Bowerly, you heard a little bit of a, a, a you heard his show, what's going to be tomorrow. He's going to be all over this thing, 3 to 7. And then uh, Hannity and everyone else across the WBN spectrum. 803-0930 is the number to call. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Jerry and Tonawanda. Jerry, you're on WBN. Hey, how you doing? Uh, let me get, I got a few points here that are really good. Just give me my time to talk. Um, first of all, I watched the first 15 minutes, and, and I taped the whole thing, and I'm retired, and I'll watch it tomorrow. But every time she moves her mouth, she lies. But, you know, she says, you know, these, these Hillary supporters are just like, you know, everybody from Buffalo, the low information boards. Why do you think Buffalo's been run down for so many years? It's because they keep voting the same people back in. We wouldn't have the waterfront if it wasn't for Pagoulas. There wouldn't be a freaking waterfront. And uh, and also, Hillary wants 65, if she gets in 65%, uh, 65% tax on estate taxes and people, oh no, she won't. Well, you know what? You have someone in your family die and you get taxed 65% of their estates, then you'll you believe me. Secondly, I watched the last 10 minutes and when they, when she, when Hillary started throwing that BS about, about Trump and calling pigs and stuff, I, I wanted to, and I didn't want to, but I, I just thought of right then I thought of, you know what, Hillary, you say women, ha women that are raped, have a voice but yet guess what when your husband was governor of arkansas and he raped all those women and they came forward 
Oh, you shut them up because you have the power and you shut their mouths up. So, Jerry, that's an excellent point. I thought that, that I mean, there were so many, but again, it really plays to what the what you know what the uh, the strategy of the Trump campaign was. Uh, if he was trying to to be on the attack, Jerry, that would have been a wonderful point, uh, especially when she wraps herself around as as a you know feminist. You got to be like, hey, when when your husband was accused of doing these things, you didn't care about the victims, right? But he might save it. They will say he might save his best for last. That's for the last time, because I still I'm still waiting for WikiLeaks to come out with a couple of their bombshells. They haven't came out yet, and I'm waiting for them. And I hope they come out before the next debate or the third debate, and then Trump can take that and use it because WikiLeaks. I believe this founder. He's 100 percent proof. Everything he comes out with is not false. It's it's proven. That's right. No, he he has been 100 uh, percent on what he's had to say. Jerry, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. it it's a sad day. I mean, I'm not a, a, a Julian Assange guy. I think that WikiLeaks is a horrible organization and that Julian Assange should be probably brought to justice for what he's done in the past with secrets. However, it's tragic that we have to. You know, as Jerry said, you know, the only truth we get are from hackers that are getting into the emails because, quite frankly, we can't get the truth from the candidate. We can't get the truth on our own. So we have to depend on Julian Assange to save the republic by uh, exposing the truth. And so far, Jerry said it, but it's it's true. I mean, the things that Julian Assange has come up with and stated, uh, for the most part, uh, have 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 turned out to be accurate and uh also there's been repercussions we've seen it from the dnc and firing the chairman and uh, all the other things that uh came out of the the democratic convention uh when those uh, first leaks came out let's go to uh john in williamsville john you're on wbm uh, hi there david how you doing i, I want to give you credit for uh, your professionalism and standing up and you know, taking a, I, I think, a relatively honest analysis of what happened tonight, as opposed to the two other guys who were on the air with you. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'll admit that I lean, you know, toward the Hillary side. I thought Trump tonight, uh, frankly, um, and everybody was afraid to say it, you started to lean toward it, but I think Trump, uh, Trump frankly, got his lunch eaten. Yeah, I'm not. You know what, John? I'm I'm not too far off from where you are. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm vehemently opposed to Hillary Clinton, and and I support uh, Donald Trump in this in the fact that in this election. Uh, but if I'm going to be an honest person, John, I have to tell you that I, I was. If you told me uh, how would you grade these two candidates, I give Hillary Clinton uh, a B plus, and I give uh, Donald Trump a C minus. Yeah, no, I, and I, again, I respect you for that, because I've listened to you on and off. I, you know, I rotate on stations a lot, and I listen to you guys on and off and um, try to slide through the ads. But I give you a lot of credit, uh, you know, for taking the stand that you did. It's, uh, it's, not, an, it's not a popular one. Um, you know, she was prepared, and Trump in some areas, you know, frankly, I find it amazing. You know, I'm a middle-class person. I find it amazing that middle-class folks will give a Trump a pass on his taxes, Here's a guy who claims to be worth billions. Most of us don't even know what a billion dollars is. And the taxes he doesn't pay, the rest of us pay. It's, but, you know, John, let's get out of the, the politics for a second. Let's just talk practically. It's such a stupid argument. To, if you're going to run for president, yeah. you have got to be prepared for it, questions to be about your, I mean, you're running as a businessman. 
your businesses are going to be under the magnifying glass. To not be prepared to release your taxes, I think, is a horrible, horrible uh, failure to to adequately. And, and also it shows that these Republicans in the primary didn't do a good enough job of, of bringing that out. Because hope, hopefully after a primary, this question was asked 55 times. You have an answer to it. I thought I thought his answer today, John, was very weak. Um, and, and, you know, it just to me, what 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 hurt Trump today was his inability to not only articulate what he was trying to, you know, his main point. But again, 30 seconds out of every two minutes, he had he had something of, of substance, but he wasted so much time. Johnny wasted six minutes saying that he was against the war in Iraq. And that was six minutes he could have used to, uh, you know, hit Hillary or, or show his differences. You're, you're right on the money. You know, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the prize. You know, but the tax thing, uh, the tax thing, let's face it, every single person, you know, if you live here, there's two things, death and taxes, right? And and his his excuses and, and claims are, just don't hold water. It's real simple. You know, it, he, clearly she made a good point. He's hiding something. Well, it just, it, the, even if there's nothing to hide, the appearance is that you're trying to hide something. And that, to me, you know, perception is reality. Now, I will say that there were times that Hillary walked into her own man-made landmine and Donald Trump completely either missed the opportunity or, or just simply didn't feel the need to take the opportunity. But what's different is that you, you can't argue that this is the same Donald Trump that went against Jeb Bush. Uh, this is a totally different person. This is someone that is, is treating the general election as something totally different than the primary. Because three months ago, Donald Trump would have gone after her jugular. Uh, and he didn't today. And honestly, you know, it's one thing if he had substance and he really hit her on issues, but he didn't attack her. You can almost take the high road. And this one, it just looks like an, an uneven performance, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, OK, fair enough. But. So why didn't he go after her? Was, was he afraid of being accused of, of being too aggressive uh, uh, on a woman, you think? I think I think that's what, uh, you know, that was Tom Bowerly's assessment, and I think he's, he's right on the money. I think that he, he went out of his way to look respectful. He tried yeah. multiple times to, to show uh, times that he agreed with her. Um, there was times that he agreed with her against, you know, the policies of, of his own party. I mean, he talked about the, uh, you know, the, the, the people on uh, terror watch lists having guns. Um, but again, there were there was just a lot of meat out there that I think you could have still taken a swing and not gotten personal. And unfortunately, um, he just didn't do that. But, you know, the, the, the other side of that is that when he had opportunities to kind of he just he was far too defensive. And, uh, you know, the thing about NATO, for example, nobody brought that question up about NATO. Lester Holt didn't ask it. Hillary Clinton didn't ask it. But he felt the need that he had to re-explain his position on NATO and it's just, I'm, I'm from the old school that if no one asks you the question, don't give an answer. <laughs> I mean, especially if you have an uncomfortable answer and you know it's not popular, why even volunteer that? You know, it's like, uh, just before we get into this, John, I want to state for the record, I thought she was 18. You know, like, wait a minute, guy. <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't understand where he, where he was going with that. Um, but at the same time, did Donald Trump uh, blow the election tonight? No, he did not. Did Hillary Clinton blow the election tonight? No, I think she did pretty, you know, I, I think supporters would say that that they were, uh, you know, th they were impressed with her. I don't think that Trump lost anything today. I just don't think he gained anything. Right. I, I agree. Uh, th that's true. And, you know, at this point, I think things happen incrementally, you know, I, and I think we're only arguing there's probably only uh, about 15 to 20 percent of the population in play anyway. 
the people for and against the, the candidates are, are uh, you know, um, in concrete. There's only uh, 15 to 20 percent in the middle, I think, who are who are open to be flexible and move. That's very true. And I think that's what they're playing for. And it's, it's going to come down to states that we never thought were electoral states like Colorado and Pennsylvania and things that normally weren't in play are going to be in play. John, great call. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your input. Let's go back to uh, the calls. 803-0930, star 930. Uh, here's a text came in. Donald did a great job. He was forced to defend himself for a majority of the time, but he was under attack from Hillary Clinton and Lester Holt, you know, just trying to set the record straight. You know, that's uh, majority of the opinions say that, you know, Trump, did a decent job. These are obviously Trump supporters. I, I, here's, I'm just coming at it from this is my, what I believe is what I was anticipating was Trump was going to rip her head off. That's what I wanted to happen because I don't like Hillary Clinton. I didn't see that today. Um, and quite frankly, if I'm going to grade him, I think Hillary won. Let's go to uh, Tom in Chictawaga. Tom, you're on WBN. Go ahead. By the way, I feel the same way you do, 100%. He didn't go after a juggler like he should have. When she brought up the taxes, he should have kept nailing her on the Clinton Foundation. You know, how you go from rags to riches when you're supposed to be giving this money to the poor and the needy and Benghazi. Or, or how about the fact that, you know, you, you, she mentioned that he was fortunate to grow up in the, in the, in the family that he grew up in. And, I, you know, fortunate. You give speeches for $300,000 a pop. Who didn't um, listen to her? I mean, but the point is, is that, you know, you could say, what job have you worked? What What is your resume? I mean, there was a million things he could have hit her on, uh, but I, I, I was disappointed. And that's the way I feel. I kept, I, my my uh, stepson was here, and I says, he lost. I said, he, he looks very tired. She had four days to freshen up and, and uh, have, you know, a lot of coaching on what to say. A blood transfusion, perhaps? It's just like Tom said. She knew the questions that were going to be asked. She didn't. Well, you, you know what, though? That, that Honestly, though, I don't think that really should make a difference. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, um, whether or not you, you know what's coming, uh, there's still opportunities to think on your feet. And what Donald Trump has shown time and time again is that this guy can think on his feet. And he throws punches and he connects once or twice, but when he does, it's a knockout blow normally. Yeah. You know what? I'm 100% for Donald also. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I have talked to more people, women, in their 30s and 40s. I have talked to very few people that are going to vote for her. I think the silent majority is going to come out. Now, the electoral vote. There's, there's one thing that the Democrats have against them, and it's the people that are voting for Trump for the first time. Some of these people have never voted in presidential elections. They aren't going to ever poll. Yeah. They're not in the system. They're not in anyone's records. They're not on a Rolodex. It's impossible to get a number, an accurate number of who's going to come out for Donald Trump if you've never voted before. And some of the things she was bringing up, like how he wasn't paying someone the money. He was paying them heavily to do the work. But if somebody doesn't do the job properly, you're not you're going to debate and say, hey, I'm not going to pay you that much. You didn't do what I did. But even even that answer, you know, Tom, and I appreciate your call. Thank you so much, Tom, for your call. Even that answer I thought was uncomfortable because he's like, well, maybe the guy didn't do a good job. Well, how about the fact that you've employed tens of thousands of people and you found one disgruntled person? That's not too bad considering, you know, how many disgruntled Secret Service agents have you had? How many disgruntled, uh, you know, cops have worked for you? 
I mean, look at Donald Trump's ratio of how many people he's employed and how many people are disgruntled to the fact that I could throw a dart in Hillary Clinton's life and hit someone that has something negative to say about her. That was a missed opportunity as well. We're going to take a break. Get back to your calls. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBN. I'm David Bellavia. One more hour here live, and then uh, we'll have ABC coverage. So get your calls in now before we get off the air at 1 a.m. Be back after this. News Radio 930 WBN. Well, the debate is never over. It will never end. I want to thank Alex for running the board, Rich for taking the calls. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> that was a, uh, if you can't be truly motivated, we'll take false motivation any day of the week. We're going to get your calls, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBN. Alex, I want you to play this uh, clip. Mike Baggerman's at this uh, uh, debate party, and there was a bunch of uh, left-wingers out there, which is always great. You know, we love to hang out with, with all sides of the political spectrum. But this guy, Devin is his name. This is a great interview. Here's Devin's take on why he's voting for Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm kind of appalled at the uh, reaction that the country is having to the rise of Nazism again. He's legitimately taking Hitler's campaign slogan, Make America Great Again, is a direct pull from Make Germany Great Again, the slogan that Hitler ran on. Uh, Anybody who votes for Trump in this election is, as far as I'm concerned, a Nazi. Well, there you go. There's that kindler, gentler side we want. You know, when, when Trump talks about putting people back to work, what he really means is what Auschwitz had on their, their gate where work will set you free. That's what he means. <laughs> wow. Anyone who votes for Trump is a Nazi. Well, that's great. Isn't that wonderful? Everyone has a right to vote, including him. It doesn't matter. But anyway, that's, that's pretty much what the arguments, you know, you got these uh, millennials that are out there and, and they believe what they believe. And uh, my goodness gracious, though. If I heard Trump supporters, you know, dropping Nazi bombs everywhere, I would be a little alarmed. Here's Dan in Tonawana. Dan, that, I played that clip just for you, Dan. Hey, Dave. How's it going, brother? Good, good. How are you, man? I, gotta, I think it was a draw. I think Hillary came out on top, and the reason why is because uh, she had more to lose. Because if she started coughing or did, did something like that, I think it would affect her uh, big time. But she looked strong. So I have to say that she, she gained the most out of this debate. But that being said, I still think it was a draw. I think Trump had a lot of opportunities to knock her out, but he missed them. I mean, for example, that one, when it comes to uh, the taxes, all he had to say is, well, you gave 90% of, of, of your uh, donations to the Clinton Foundation, and your daughter takes a salary from that. I mean, She just dropped $4 million on an apartment. Yeah, and she she gave that money to the Clinton Foundation so she doesn't have to pay higher taxes. There's a reason for it. She's doing the same thing that Trump probably does. The, the truth is there's a lot of things that he could have called her out and he didn't, and I think he missed a huge opportunity today. But that being said, I still think it was a draw, but I still think Hillary gained the most because she had the most to lose in this debate. But I will say this, that this debate and the other three debates that, that we have with the vice presidential one are not going to affect the outcome of this. People already know, in my opinion, who they're going to vote for. And I still believe Trump is going to win in a landslide victory. And the reason why is because he's a nationalist. And, and Hillary Clinton is a globalist. That's all he has to keep doing is hammering that into people's minds. That- and, and, those are, and, Dan, those are the missed opportunities today is making those distinctions. Now, the one thing that Trump did win this debate on 
are these core issues, these key issues that play in these swing states, you know, the Michigans, the Wisconsin's, Indiana, Ohio, Colorado. Uh, when we're talking about things like trade, I thought on the trade thing, uh, Hillary looked very flat footed. She wasn't prepared for that. I thought he hit that and he won that issue. Unfortunately, the performance wasn't on par with what I expected, but that those issues do resonate. And so even though you, I think you're right in the sense that nobody looks at a debate and says, I'm changing my vote. Those issues that are important to some people, uh, blue dog Democrats, middle class people, people in unions, they have to look around and say, you know what, who really is better served for NAFTA? Not a lot of people. His biggest missed opportunity, Dave, is to me, is he should have looked at that camera and said to the black uh, Americans and said, hey, listen, just give me a chance. You have nothing to lose for the 50 to 100 years you've been following the Democrats. Just give me a chance. I'm going to focus on you and your communities and make them better for you and, 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 the, and the black African-American uh, families across the United States. He should, have, he should have said that. I think he, he should have honed in on them a little bit more and spoke to them a little bit more to try to get 10, 15 percent of them to vote for him. Good call, Dan. I appreciate it as always. Nice to talk to you. Let's go to George in Kenmore. George, you're on WBN. David, great job. Thank you for your service, brother. Appreciate it, George. What's on your mind? So here's what you got. I think it was a draw. However, remember when Ali used to fight and he did the rope-a-dope? You let the person just punch themselves out? Three rounds. Right. There's three rounds in this debate. He didn't need to win this one. He can wait. Plus, the way our society is with such a short-term memory, why, why use it all now? You know, George, you bring up a point that uh, I think uh, you're spot on on this. When you look at Romney, Romney absolutely dismantled Barack Obama in the first debate. In the second debate, he, rolled. He, he won the second debate, but not as convincing. But the third debate is when Candy Crowley and the whole thing fell apart. But that, you're right, we have a short-term memory, and oftentimes the way you end is, is the way uh, you win. He got, I, think, I think Trump got Hillary and the moderator to lay everything out, or almost everything. There's probably still a few more surprises. But he stood there, and you could see that he wanted, I think he was holding back extremely well. But that's what you do when you rope a dope. It's like, go ahead, take all the body punches. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to take it. Whack, whack, whack. You know what? There's one more round. And then there's one more round after the second round. And, and the other thing is that once you start hitting people with the same points over and over again, if she's going to bring up taxes and birther comments, uh, you almost kind of be like, that's all you got. You know, is that all you have? And, and sure. we all know that Trump can probably go four more debates and, and hit Hillary on everything she's got. Great call, George. Really good point. Haven't heard that yet. Appreciate your point. Appreciate your call. 803-0930, star 930. 1-800-616-WBN. You can text us at 30930. Someone just texted in, it's okay to call people who support Hillary communists? No, <laughs> it's not. You win. I don't know what the, I don't know what you're referring to the Nazi uh, uh, argument. Um yeah, I mean, uh, you got a point. You win. A awesome text. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Mary in Buffalo. Mary, you're on WBN. Hello. Thank you for taking me. Well, let's uh, make it worth my while. What's on your mind today? Okay. I have been voting for the last 50 years and all the presidential elections. Who was your first presidential vote? My first one that I remember is Truman. Wow. You voted for Truman? Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, so anyway, I've been following this really very closely, and I watched that debate tonight, 
And people have to remember that she's experienced. She's an experienced politician. He, as like Tom Bowerly said, that he has to watch out. He's treading on thin ice with her. And you know what? Another thing is I was watching her, her reactions. She looked to me like they may have given her some kind of a, a sedative or a... Ma- Mary, that's all over the Internet right now. As you say that, that's all over Twitter saying that she was on some sort of drug. So that you're, you're, yeah. you're spot on on that conspiracy. Yeah, she, she, she half smiled, and, and, she, and I think she was nasty. I really think she was nasty to him. She was saying a lot of things she shouldn't have said. And another thing, psychologically, look at it this way. Why? See, everyone is, what's everybody talking about? They're talking about what Donald could have said, what he should have said, and he didn't say. Well, that's the whole thing. That's their plan and, and, and the Trump campaign. Get everybody to remember what it was that she did and didn't do so that people can recall what she really is like. Right. I think, though, Mary, the problem is, is that the people that know the most about Hillary Clinton don't like Hillary Clinton. And, and what, we're, what, what I think the Trump campaign uh, has the opportunity to do is really kind of reach out to people that don't know her record. I mean, think about it. You, you voted, you know, since... Correct. Uh, I mean, I've watched. I know about the Clintons. Right, but you're, you're at a completely different level. There are millennials out there that don't even know who Monica Lewinsky is. And no, so, I, I, and so it's, it, it has to be a re sort of, you know, it has to be a programming that's done to say, listen, you know, uh, this is, this is what, uh, what we're up against. Mary, appreciate your call. Excellent points of view. Uh, you got, and thank you for 50 years of, uh, of voting uh, for your country speaks volumes. It really does. I mean, so many people don't consider their vote important and, uh, you're out there every time, uh, you know, that's what people fight and bleed for. Someone just, um, uh, texted in, of course the theater was full of liberals. Trump supporters all watched in their homes that they pay mortgages on with money they make from their actual jobs. <laughs> well, so, whoever that was with that text, that's that's how you throw a punch to the other side. <laughs> well played. Well played. Let's go to uh, the phones again, 803-0930, star 930. Let's go to Frank in Buffalo. Frank, you're on WBN. David, I don't think Trump was prepared for this thing tonight. Yep. He comes across to me as he, he's like the big man on campus, right? And he's like, nope, that's not right, nope, nope, nope. But he doesn't come up with any facts to back up his accusations, right? Ah, it's, it's troubling, it really is. Kind of bringing back uh, companies from overseas, right? Why doesn't he get specific about, about the jobs he's talking about? We're not going to get factory jobs back here, like low-wage low, uh, low you know, low-skill factory jobs back here. Those are gone. Fr- Frank, the question that, that I thought that was really mishandled on Trump's part was when the, the question was asked, uh, uh, you know, again and again, what would you do to bring jobs back? And he said, well, the first thing we have to do is, is prevent jobs from leaving. Well, that's not what the question is. The question is, how do you get the jobs back? And, you know, there's a go to the go to the stinking uh, Heritage Foundation and go to their website. There's a million white papers on on how to bring jobs back. I thought I thought he, he was very well served when he started hitting her on the fact that these companies, uh, you know, will not bring their 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 sheltered money overseas back into our economy to pay the fines. Uh, I thought that was a really good point, And I thought he really hit her on that one. But there was just so many opportunities that he bobbled the ball. On the fence about whether not to vote for him is not going to like it when he says, I don't pay any taxes or I didn't pay any taxes. That's a good thing. 
Yeah. It, it seems like he's just a smart ass who, who's getting away with it. And, yeah, and the other the other one was, you know, I, I was a businessman and I, I took advantage of the law, you know, manipulated the law. Like, come on. You just Those are inside things you say. There's not things you say when you're running for president of the United States. Um, I agree. I agree with you, Frank. Uh, however, it's not over. He didn't. He didn't commit any horrible sins that disqualified him for the race. He had a shot here. He had a wonderful opportunity, and he blew it. How and did he bring up the emails more, more specifically? Exactly. He said he had to drill her. Frank, there was a point at the end of the race, or at the end of the race, at the end of the, they're in the 21st, uh, 21st Century Security Park, and Hillary Clinton, right before she wrapped things up, talked about words matter. And that was just such a huge, open barn door for him to just, punch right in there and say words matter yeah they do hillary they do in fact your words matter how could you not know how you're running for president you don't know c stands for classified i mean there's a million things that they could have uh you know i thought he could have taken advantage of she did talk about getting stiffed a lot and i thought well if anyone knows about getting stiffed it's a clinton <laughs> well, there we go, Frank. Frank, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. 803-0930, star 930. Frank ends with a with a zinger. I like that. Uh, let's go to Eugene, Oregon. What is going on here? Joe from Oregon. Yes, still early here out here. Wow, the home of physicians-assisted suicide. That is Eugene. <laughs> there we go. Where every kid under the age of 22 has a knit hat on in the middle of August. It is Eugene, Oregon. Joe, what's on your mind today? Yeah, pot's legal too. Don't forget that part. You know, That's right. State. Um, you know, I really think that you know he has this great opportunity tonight to just address her. I mean, you know, Lester Holt's asking questions. He can just turn to her and simply ask her, you know, Hillary, do you know what pathological means? You know, yes or no. Do you believe a pathological liar should be the president? Yes or no. I mean, he had this great opportunity to start a national debate about what the word pathological means. You know, I mean, I just don't think that maybe he was, you know, beholden to the format or whatever, but he has to understand that that's so outside of his character, in my view, he has got to just address her. Forget the questions. Yeah, there, there was a couple opportunities uh, where a liar should be president. If he if he could have just if he could have just grabbed the the uh, the governor Christie in her governor Christie, that would have been a perfect opportunity. He needs to prosecute her. Yeah, I, I just love the yes or no question. What's she going to say? Do you, know what, do you know what the word pathological means, Hillary? Yes or no? And then not do anything until she answers. Well, especially because Lester Holt lost control of the debate so early. It was an, a, a natural opening for Trump to ask her direct questions because Lester Holt certainly wasn't getting in anyone's way. Um, and, and I think that would have been very effective, Joe. I just think he has this great opportunity to create a national sort of debate about what these words are. What is the, what is classified? What is pathological? You know, Hillary has all these, you know, um, Medical issues. Is pathological lying one of them? Well, but, you know, Joe, here's the thing. The, the, the last topic was 21st century security. And they're talking about hacking and cyber warfare. And in that, you know, in the very subtext of this topic, you're talking about a woman who put national security out there uh, over email. I mean, it was, the, it was almost like this was an inside, you know, it was almost a gotcha question written by Fox News. And Trump just did not feel, did not, I don't know if it was just he didn't sense it or his instinct wasn't to hit her, or maybe this whole thing was just to lay off her and uh, build momentum up. But uh, again, you know, the people that are, that are preparing him are, are brilliant people. I mean, Newt Gingrich is one of them. There are people in the room who have been there 
and I think he had a caller just a little while ago that must have hit it right on. They looked at what Mitt Romney did, and they knew that he, you know, blew it all in the first debate. He, un, you know, undressed Obama in that first debate. Um, you know, perhaps they're looking at what Bernie did, and they're going to hit him at the end. I mean, I can't think there's anything other than, look, let's just let this one happen, and then we're going to come back around. And but here, here's my problem with that, Joe. And I don't disagree with you because I think obviously that that has to have been the plan somewhere. Uh, you heard Tom Bowerly and Caputo and other people that I have great respect for. And they're, they, I think you're right in the sense that that was sort of what the tactic was. My problem is that this was an opportunity. You could have ended the campaign of Hillary Clinton tonight. I think so, too. And you didn't. And that's the thing that I think we, we might regret. Yeah. Hey, keep up the good work. Hey, appreciate it, Joe. Enjoy the three-hour difference in, in Oregon. Yeah, beautiful. So I just went down. All right, take care, Joe. Joe in Eugene, Oregon, showing that we reach many more people than just those in Western New York. Thank you, Joe and Eugene. Let's go to uh, Harry. Harry in the great state of New York in Kenmore, a little closer to home. Harry, you're on WPN. What's on your mind? Hi, David. Uh, I'm one of these rare people that votes almost entirely on foreign policy. Uh I think that Trump, uh, uh, you question why he brought up NATO. That is one thing that has bothered me tremendously with his, with, his, with his attitude towards NATO and his love for Putin, which I support NATO 100%. I despise Putin 100%. He is dangerous. He follows Stalin's dictum, stick in the knife and don't stop until it until you hit bone. Well, just to, to clarify, Harry, he, he is, you know, old school KGB, and he's KGB to this point. I mean, I don't know anyone that could support anything that Vladimir Putin does. Well, the, the point is that uh, I, at least what I've heard, maybe I'm mistaken, Putin or uh, Trump has expressed his uh like for Putin or a- yeah, you know what he did. He Putin had made a, a comment uh, during the primaries. Putin had made a comment about Trump, and Trump basically said, uh, you know, at the time Trump was not a front runner, and he made a comment of, you know, he's got a world leader saying that he's a good person. He made a, a clunky uh, comment saying, hey, you know, I respect Putin and I appreciate that. Whatever. That that sounds similar to me, like George, uh, young George Bush saying he could see Putin so. Well, let me tell you something, Harry. That is that is exact. If you remember what happened in the uh, former uh, Republican satellite of Georgia, yeah, uh, George W. Bush had a, 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 a Georgia sent troops to Iraq. They've sent troops to uh, Afghanistan. They have been front and center on the war and terror on the side of of the United States. And at a time when Putin flexed his muscle and moved troops in and slaughtered innocent people, George W. Bush sat on his hands during that time. Yeah. And so I'm. this is not just an Obama problem. This has been a George W. Bush problem. That's, that's and, exactly so. And you cannot look at, at, at Putin and think, well, this is a guy that we can work with. He's a good man. He's not. He's not. He's a, the guy is a, is a, is a would-be Hitler. He's, he's testing Ukraine and Crimea was like the Rhineland. Uh, and, and all they're asking for in the Ukraine is defensive weapons. I mean, people are being slaughtered out there, and we, we don't even have the a decency to hand them small arms. I mean, we're, we're talking about munitions and, and first aid gear. It's been criminal what we've done to the people of the Ukraine. Absolutely. I, I agree completely. It, it, America lost... Well, Britain's always been a, a, 
the tail on 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 a, on a USA's dog. I got no I got no respect for the British uh, when they signed uh, along with Putin and the USA. What was it? Ninety three. What the hell year was it? Ninety uh, three was it when they when when the when the UKs handled handed over all their. Uh, uh, nuclear weapons. Well, it could have been the New START uh, treaty that was signed in. Uh, we had a New START in 2009. We had a uh, another. Uh, oh, that. Uh, yeah, in the 90s as well. Under under Clinton, uh, there was a, a bunch of agreements that were made that obviously the Soviets have, or the Russians have disrespected. But you know, Harry, to your point, I understand what you're saying about the the appearance that Trump is is respect respecting Putin. But the problem I have with Hillary is that in the State Department. You know, what the State Department has done with Russia, uh, the idea that, you know, first of all, when we talk about how we disarm our our armament of nukes, we're not even testing nukes. We're not. I mean, you could argue that if we ever gotten the opportunity to use, you know, a warhead or an ICBM, our technology is from 1971. Yeah. I mean, this is these guys have updated their program. They're in a far better spot to to. But what did Obama do? The first thing he was in office, he sat down with Putin and he gave them all of our missile defense uh, locations. He pulled out of Turkey. He pulled out of Poland. Um, Poland can play a huge role in the Ukraine. And we've abandoned them as well. Absolutely. Look, look at. Uh, uh, no, I just I lost my train of thought. Uh, my my point is, Harry, that regardless of how you feel Trump is with uh, Putin, I, I don't think you can look at a secretary of state in the last seven and a half years and say that no. that, that this has been a strong for Hillary under any circumstances. But but I, I want to have a little more. I got a feeling that maybe this Manafort who worked for what's that guy's name? Yukashenko, the guy that they kicked out of Ukraine. He had, yeah, the ties, the alleged ties were to the Ukraine. Well, he, he made over $10 million working as a consultant for some like seven years for this, for this uh, Putin's puppet in the Ukraine. And many people think that's the reason why he's not, you know, uh, has his role anymore in the campaign is because of that. Might have brainwashed, uh, uh, brainwashed uh, Trump uh, with, some, with some disinformation regarding the nature of the beast and the... Uh, in the Kremlin, you know. Well, you know, Harry. At the end of the day, it was the reset button with Russia that got us to where we are today, and uh, that wasn't very successful. But Harry, I appreciate your call. Great point of view. Uh, I, I agree with pretty much ninety nine percent of what you're uh, what you're saying. Let's go to Tim in South Buffalo. Tim, you're on WBN. Hey, Dave. Uh, good to talk to you, man. Hey, uh, I just want to join in on the party and say uh, I agree with the guys to say that ultimately the uh, issue of the debate was a draw as to who won. But uh, the, the main issues that I wanted to bring up uh, about the debate is I wanted to bring up the question of uh, Trump's advocacy of stop and frisk and also his uh, advocacy of the uh, terrorist watch list concerning uh, firearms. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I'm a, uh, well, I'm a National Rifleman Association uh, lifetime member, and I'm also a member of SCOPE. And uh, I'm, I just want to say that, I, you know, as a conservative, I find these two issues a little bit concerning uh coming from a guy that you know i'm I'm most certainly probably going (laughs) to vote for given my choices uh but i'm i'm a on the debate uh concerning the constitutionality of stop and frisk i'm of the opinion that it violates the fourth amendment definitely rubs up against it i would like to know your opinion on that and obviously i i would think that uh the uh i well also the issue with the uh, stop and frisk if I imagine myself as a law-abiding citizen here in uh, South Buffalo in District A, 
sees me hanging out at the corner at one o'clock, an officer pro- might could come up with some probable cause. If I'm carrying concealed and all these, do you understand the Pandora's box? That's- oh, I, I don't even think there is a Pandora's box. I completely agree with you on all those issues. The first thing is if you want to stop uh, terrorists uh, from getting guns, uh, that are on a no-fly list, the best thing to do in the United States of America is put them in jail. If you don't have charges on someone and you have them on an arbitrary list that we don't know how the hell they got on it, how the hell they get off it, you certainly can't then say that you don't have a constitutional right to carry a, or, or keep a, a firearm. I mean, if you've done something wrong, the best way to keep firearms out of the hands of felons is to imprison them or charge them with something, not to just say, you're on a watch list. I don't know why you're on the watch list, but you know what? You don't have the right to assemble or speak or, or worship or keep a gun. I think that's unconstitutional. Right. And as far as stop and frisk, you know, it's one thing when you're in the urban city and you say, hey, we want to eliminate crimes. So let's just randomly stop people that look suspicious or have baggy pants. But you could do that in Amherst. You could do that in Williamsville. You just ran. What's to stop people from just randomly walking into your home and saying, hey, do you have any AK-47s in here? Do you have uh, a magazine over seven rounds? I mean, at some point, uh, we, we have to uphold this these this foundational document that we've you know, held true for, for 200 years. Yeah, right. Okay, so, well, I mean, we're definitely on the same page that it's concerning that Trump uh, leans that way. Um, you know, and he, he definitely brought up the fact that he was endorsed by the NRA, which he is, but I'm not so sure that the NRA is, uh, you know, interested in, in the uh, no-fly lists being the standard by which... Tim, Tim, I gotta, take, I gotta take a break. Let me put you on hold and get back to you, all right? Okay. All right. You got a good, some good points. I want to get back to you. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. More of the program, ABC News, uh, back after this. Well, thank you very much and appreciate our sponsors and Alex and uh, uh, Rich for what they're doing behind the scenes here, making uh, the calls work, hitting the buttons to make the show flow through the air and into your radio dial. Uh, Tim in South Buffalo, uh, we left him talking about stop and frisk in the Constitution. You know, one of the, the problems I thought with the, the entire NRA argument is when we start equating violence in cities with this term illegal gun um you know we're 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 sort of playing into the into the left's argument and it 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 bothers me on 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 a couple levels but most importantly uh you know we don't want to lose who we are as as a as a nation uh because of um issues that you know the, the the failure of government across the board i mean chicago just doesn't have a violence problem they have a corruption problem they have a uh you know, education problem. They have a, a welfare abuse problem. I mean, Chicago is, is lousy. Every one of these cities that has high murder rates have other issues that are much more, uh, I think, uh, you know, th- th- that have to be addressed before we start looking at proactive ways of, of stopping, you know, bad guys on the streets with guns. Right. So, yeah. You there? And I, I agree with what you just said there. As a matter of fact, uh, what I would... If- Going in that direction, what I would like to say is, as being a person of faith, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that uh, some of the things that that we're talking about here can't be solved by government. I don't. The government doesn't have the power uh, to solve these issues. I think we need to actually, you know, return children back to their parents. Uh, parents are uh, sovereign over their children. Uh, you know, fatherless homes and these and these particular issues that only the people 
are going to be able to uh, solve because our founding fathers recognized that early in our founding. They, they talked about the, the nature of our nation is based on a highly moral uh, person. And and that's that's the and again, government has never solved these problems in our nation's past. It just doesn't have the power to do it. And and when you have when you have the problem that you have right now with with kids that that you know when you look at education and you look at what we're asking our teachers to do, and then we kind of scratch our heads and say, hmm, you know, this this just doesn't seem to be working right now. We don't address any of the real major underlining themes that that are affecting what's happening in our cities. Now, Trump has tried to do that. And I give them a lot of credit because no other Republicans even touch these issues because they're, you know, they're white Republicans and white people aren't allowed to talk about issues in the city. And I give Trump a lot of credit for, for talking about that. But when I see him kind of, you know, taking um, what I think uh, moments in this debate where he agreed with Hillary on some things, I was a little cringe. It, it made to me they were cringeworthy. Right. Yeah. Agreeing with Hillary, that that made me. Uh, cringe on some issues. Uh, for instance, also another on the stop and frisk again, uh, when he said, well, uh, in, in so many words, uh, let me paraphrase or just rephrase it. He said, well, we'll fix it in the mix if you find yourself on the list. Well, no person wants to be in the system at all. Well, how do you even know? See, my, my thing is, is that the list is, is arbit- the arbiter of the list adjudicates this in secret. We don't even know who's on the panel to create this list. Right, correct. It's, just, it's completely arbitrary, but the problem is is that you, you whimsically get put on the list, but you, it'll cost you a fortune and, and, and finances, your family, your work, and everything to get back off of this list. So, you know, Donald Trump just kind of, you know, throwing it out there like, oh, we'll get you off the list if it's a problem. No, this isn't how the system works. Uh, you know, I mean, once you're in the system... You know, the, 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 the theory is is that we're innocent until proven guilty, but we all kind of know that if you're in the system, you're, you're kind of trying to prove yourself innocent. Oh, yeah, it's, it's certainly not the American way. Tim, thank you so much for your call, and I appreciate uh, you being a part of the program. Let's go to the phones, and 803-0930 is the number to call to join us. Steve in Buffalo, you're on WBN. Hi, David. How you doing? Um, I was just uh, watching the debate, and you had mentioned before about um, Trump's real opportunity to hit Hillary on um, cybersecurity and with regard to her servers. I think another such moment where he had a real opportunity, especially to reach voters that might be Bernie supporters or voters that might not be in his camp yet, is when she likes to use the term Wall Street. And I think that she insinuated while while guessing about what his tax returns may reveal, that he might be leveraged by certain Wall Street banks. And she mentioned about Wall Street. And I think at that point, immediately, he should have a list in front of him of who her biggest donors are and how much each major bank on Wall Street, like Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, has paid her and her husband for speeches over the last few years. And then he could really talk about... Steve, you couldn't be more correct. You're, Steve, you're absolutely right. This, this to me, uh, and I'm so glad you brought this up. We talked about this earlier in the program, but Steve, you're so right. Uh, this was, I thought, the biggest missed opportunity is when she started talking about the economy, how it failed, what were the problems, the greed, the problems of Wall Street. I mean, you're walking right into it. I mean, that is just a, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, th- th- that should have been a reflexive slap across the face. 
of how, even when she was talking about the jobs and the opportunities that he got and how fortunate he was to have a father that was wealthy. Well, listen, I mean, you want to talk about fortunate. You married a guy who allowed you the opportunity to have all these different jobs and make hundreds of thousands of dollars of speech from the very Wall Street people you claim ruined the country. Now, I don't know if I would have mentioned her marrying him to get an opportunity only because he's most concerned about women right now. But I, I would have hit him real hard on Wall Street. But, but you know, Steve, the, the reason why I bring that up, though, is that it's the anti-feminist argument to say that you need, uh, you know, leverage to make it in, in this world. And the argument, if you're a true feminist, a true feminist divorces a husband that, you know, embarrasses her and abuses women and everything else. Uh, A true feminist stands on her own and says, this is who I am. Hear me roar. Uh, And yet, you know, every time it's been for political opportunism, she's stood right behind. uh, She has been Tammy Wynette. In 1992, she claimed she wasn't. But if you look at her track record for 25 years, I, she stood by her man. Or, and, and that's why I think she's been as phony as the day is long for the longest time. And it didn't help matters that, I mean, he must have a million things racing through his head. And he doesn't have the experience that she does. But it doesn't help matters that um, the moderator, whom I'm glad Trump didn't walk into the trap of complaining about, but the moderator goes into his tax returns, goes into birther goes into what he said about certain women didn't mention the clinton foundation didn't mention the basket of deplorables didn't mention anything and the emails were only brought up because trump brought it up yeah exactly well you know I, I i do i do agree with the fact that those those probably should have been leading questions for the moderator but it was Trump's decision to be defensive. It was Trump's decision to unpack some of the things he felt the need to unpack. And again, when you have two minutes, uh, you, you know, you can't just babble for a minute 45 and then get to your point. And Hillary was much more, I thought, rehearsed and and uh, much more together where Trump started talking about. I mean, there was times he didn't make complete sentences. I mean, he was just so worked up. He seemed to be unwound. Steve, I appreciate your call. I got to get to other callers. Let's go to Eric in Tonawanda. Eric, you're on WBEN. Yeah. Hi, um, David. It, it just it kind of surprises me that Trump had a number of, of opportunities, as you've been pointing out about certain things. But one of them, I, I'm not sure if you brought up before. But um, the whole issue of immigration, it seems like he had a, a number of segues he could have gone to and avoided them. Well, there was a, there was a, a point, Eric, and, and again, this hasn't been brought up, and I appreciate you doing it. Uh, there was a moment when Hillary was bringing up one of those stories. It's a, it's, a, it's a very practiced, I mean, Clinton became president based on the town hall meeting. Uh, and it's almost like a televangelist where they, you know, they give him a name of someone in the audience and then he points to him and the camera is locked on. And, you know, the, and she's t- talking about this woman who was called a pig in a Miss USA contest um, and that, you know, implying that Donald loves to hang out with beautiful models and some other subtext she threw in there. But she mentioned that the woman became a citizen and now the woman is voting. And now that woman is going to vote and she has a say because she's a citizen and you called her a pig and she's going to vote against you, Donald. And that was a perfect opportunity to get to what the underlying agenda is of why you want so many people to become citizens before the election. And it, it, it was it was just literally built for him to just smack right in her face. And he just didn't have the instinct to respond. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I thought he had that instinct in him. 
You know, he's, again, with 16 people, when you're on a stage with that many folks, you, again, you don't have to get into the weeds, but you're, it's a survivability thing. It's, you're going to get, you know, of an hour and a half debate with eight people on a stage, you're probably going to get 11 minutes. Uh, and in those 11 minutes, you're just trying to just, you know, claw people and scratch and push them around. And he's very good at that. But for whatever reason, you know, and again, maybe this is part of a grand strategy, Eric, that you and I are just, you know, we're just hayseeds that don't know how it works. But I don't know. Maybe he sees this as a three-act structure, and in the third act, he's going to rip her apart, depending on the polling numbers. I'm just saying that today was a day he could have ended the election. He could have won the election today, and he didn't. And in fact, I don't think he, he lost any points, but he did not gain anything. And a draw is not what Donald Trump needed. No, no. It, 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 just, it was very frustrating because there, there, there were several opportunities like that, as you well know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Eric, and and I'll uh, and I appreciate your call. I don't. By the way, I don't agree it was a draw. <laughs> I don't agree it was a draw. I think Hillary won this thing, um, and uh, you know, all the reasons that you heard, you know, people bringing up the, their point of view, and you know, I take my hat off to people I respect and people who I, I consider to be extremely intelligent and have been around uh, the political circles. Um, I just, I just respectfully disagree. I, Donald Trump. Uh, looked like a guy who was not prepared for a debate. Hillary Clinton looked like someone who had studied the Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, she had her 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 jab. She knew what to say. Uh, there was a couple of um, a couple of uh, things that she uh, put out there uh, that I thought were really uh, you know effective. I think that the um, uh, w- when she came after Donald Trump on on the idea that uh, you know there was a back and forth and he was defending his birther argument. And she just kind of took a pause, looked in the camera and said, OK, whatever that was, uh, that's fine. And, you know, again, you're in a two shot you, you, in, in camera. You know, this is a two shot. Two people are in the shot. You've got a camera on you at all times when you drink water. Let me just put it this way. If Hillary Clinton would have drank a liter of water on that stage and rubbed her eyes and and guffawed and looked off, everyone on the right would have said Hillary Clinton's dying. Oh, my God. She's dehydrated. She's going to go down like a redwood. You know, that would have been the argument from from guys on my side. Donald Trump drank water first. Donald Trump was the one that was looking off camera. And and this is a different election and he won't get hit on these things because he's Donald Trump. But in other elections, George H.W. Bush, President Bush, not George W., but his father, George H.W. Bush looked at his watch when he ran against Bill Clinton and he uh, many people said that that's the day that the uh, the walls came tumbling down that mistake. You kind of fast forward to today. I think you saw a lot more of them. We're going to go to a break. We come back more of the program. Then we'll wrap this uh, baby up like a Christmas present. 8030930 is the number to call. David Bellavia post debate coverage. Clinton versus Trump. The first debate will be back after this with more talk. Well, welcome back. We're going to wrap this special programming up. I want to thank our sponsors, Great Lakes Building Systems, for all of uh, their kindness in allowing us to come live to you. Mike Baggerman was at a, uh, uh, a debate party. I want to thank him. Kevin was here before that running the board, and then we had uh, Alex Pierce doing his thing. Rich Rubens taking your calls. Thank you both, gentlemen, for what you do. Making it. You said that this was going to be... We were, we're, you know, we're flying by the seat of our pants. I think we were more prepared than actually Trump was. So, 
uh, congratulations to everyone involved. We uh, we win. Uh, at any rate, thank you. I'm David Bellavia. I want to thank Tom Byerly, Michael Caputo for joining, and also all those calls. I think we had 487,000 phone calls today, so that's a pretty pretty impressive record for just two and a half hours of programming. Uh, but anyway, look, looking at this debate, the sustains, the improves, um, what things that Trump can do better, the grading system. I mean, people I had negative things to say about Lester Holt. Not sure Lester Holt really, I mean, after what happened to Matt Lauer, the problem I have is that, look, you, you know that there are Achilles heels questions. If uh, Ted Cruz was running for president, you would ask him about Heidi's relationship with Goldman Sachs. If Bill Clinton were to run for a third term, you would ask him about his relationships. And Everyone has their Achilles heels uh, that you can exploit. I thought that Lester Holt definitely did a journalistic job of going after Trump for things that he was weak on. Uh, but there was absolutely none of that for her. The, the email question came up because Trump brought it up. And obviously, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a legitimate attack. It was in a rebuttal. Um, and it was asked in the context of when Trump is going to release his tax records, when you re- release your 33,000 emails. And then, uh, you know, Lester Holt said, oh, will you release your emails? I mean, come on. That's, that's not exactly a, uh, you know, that's not exactly a tough question. Um, that being said, though, I mean, you, you got to sometimes it rains and sometimes you're on the road and you got to win the games. Um, I just don't think he, Mr. Trump did that today. Uh, Secretary Clinton looked like Secretary Clinton. I mean, there was nothing to me. <laughs> there was nothing that I thought uh, that she did, you know, above and beyond what, you, what we're used to. I get really worked up, though, when, you know, Clinton talks about her 38 debates. Listen, Rick Lazio got stomped like a narc at a biker rally by Carl Palladino. Don't tell me that Rick Lazio was her great debate performance. If you remember, Lazio approached her with a piece of paper and there was an accusation in the New York Post and Times that he tried to, you know, attack her. It was a a really clunky. And plus, those those debates weren't televised, you know, nationally. The national audience, the only time Hillary Clinton has been pressed at a national spotlight has been when a congressman or a senator has two minutes to hit her on issues. And it's not like the format you see here. You don't have a moderator. You have two minutes to get your point across. And how has Hillary Clinton done in those circumstances? Not very well. Uh, you know, we, what difference does it matter? Who cares? All the, the famous talking points that we've seen from Hillary Clinton, those were done in a, in a hostile environment. She doesn't have a track record of being in a hostile environment. When she went up against Bernie Sanders, he was like, hey, I'm not going to talk about the emails and I'm not going to talk about, you know, Bill Clinton. I'm not going to talk about anything and I'm going to lose. And that's exactly what happened because he didn't talk about anything and he lost. So, I mean, Hillary has not had that back and forth. Now, that being said, Today was a day that I really thought he could have put a stake, uh, you know, in, in the heart of the vampire. I really think that if he would have hit her aggressively, he could have completely uh, caused the campaign. Of, what happens in a debate is you now have five to six spin days of what happened in the debate. And if you can occupy those news cycles by having Hillary defend the statement she made. And, and a perfect statement, by the way, is... NAFTA was a failure, and Hillary Clinton said, on the record, that's your opinion. Is it our opinion that NAFTA was... Who, who in any state in the Rust Belt go anywhere that, that uh, is a border town? Ask the, uh, the state of Ohio 
you know, what they think about NAFTA. Ask people at Harrison Radiator what they think about NAFTA. Go to Lockport, New York, and look at how many people worked in the automotive industry in Buffalo, in western New York, before 1992. And you tell me if NAFTA is a good thing. There was a guy who ran for Congress who ran on NAFTA. His name was Jack Davis. And he almost won the, a seat based solely on running on NAFTA. Free trade and NAFTA. That was the basis of Jack Davis's political career. And to, to, to defend NAFTA, to me, is ridiculous. By the way, Clinton did sign NAFTA, but it was a George H.W. Bush idea. So just to be fair, it's not exactly a Democratic uh, thing. It was just Clinton who, who decided to sign that. Uh, but it was a George H.W. Bush. Uh, it was pushed by his administration before Clinton was in office. Um, the point is, no matter who was elected president in 92, NAFTA would have gone through, um, just to be fair. But I thought that, um, uh, you know, there were there were times that opportunities were missed by far. Absolutely. Uh, Hillary came across as someone. That, would you want to have a beer with Hillary? Would you want to have a cup of coffee with her? Well, I don't think you wanted to have one before. But uh, if you liked Hillary, you left saying she she crushed Trump. If you're a pro-Trump guy, you're going to come across and say it was a draw. He didn't embarrass himself. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's a it's a three act uh, play and we're in the first act. Well, OK, I respect that. But I still have to tell you that's not what we wanted. Don't let's not pretend that that's what we wanted today. Today, we wanted to say Hillary Clinton was was. Uh, completely exposed to the world that Hillary Clinton crumbled that Hillary Clinton had to account we wanted Trey Gowdy and Chris Christie to to ask the questions that Donald Trump I believe should have asked but you know what maybe this is all part of a grand strategy and we'll just have to stay tuned well I'll tell you what if there's another debate there'll probably be another post debate show and we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate our sponsors. We appreciate all the people that worked on this program. We want you to tune in to John and Susan early, only four hours from now. John and Susan will be on. They'll have more post-debate coverage. Nine to noon, you got Sandy Beach. He's going to be talking about the debate. Rush Limbaugh, of course, 12 to 3. Tom Bowerly, heard a little bit about him today. He told you what his show's going to be about. It's going to be about the debate. Everyone is going to be talking about this thing. And you got to talk about it first. God bless America. My name is David Bellavia. I'll be back when someone has strep throat. I'll talk to you later. Take care. God bless. Good night. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.